Back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horde. It is a top of the charts Tuesday. We play jams. They reach the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. Uh, we're talking Cowboys Packers here in this segment. Uh, Cowboys actually favored over the Packers on the road at Green Bay. It's been a long time since I think we've been able to say that. Uh, we'll also get into some of the uh, Week 9 uh, NFL news notes and nuggets we may have not, uh, we may have uh, failed to get to, failed to address. And also, Colts naming a new play caller. We'll get to that coming up too. Yikes. Uh, the, yes. I think that's <laughs> a perfect description of, of the uh, the news coming down that the Colts after firing Frank Reich and firing the OC before they fired Frank Reich who was calling the plays at the time that they leave Sam Ellinger with no play caller and no OC and no head coach but they did hire a head coach uh, interim anyway, Jeff Saturday and Jeff Saturday has named a play caller, and we'll get to that coming up here in this segment. Uh, we'll also talk some Cowboys. You can be a part of the show. Specs text line is the best way to do it, 512-337-3776. You also can hit us up via Twitter. I'm at Rod Davis. You need Twitterverse. My man Harge is at Hardball Harge. You need Twitterverse. And Patrick Davis, the real MVP, is at It's Patrick Davis in the Twitterverse. Uh, Harge, when was the last time the Cowboys were traveling to Green Bay and you felt this confident about the Cowboys' chances? of beating the Packers in Green Bay. Usually that was a place that oh, people don't want to travel to Green Bay, especially right. later on in the year. You don't have bad weather just yet. Well, maybe you do. Uh, not bad weather just yet, but still, uh, the Green Bay Packers are one of the most consistent franchises in the NFL over the last, I don't know, 20 30 years or so. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe 20 years. So I think once Brett Favre got there, they got a little bit more consistent. But still, uh, the Cowboys are a four-and-a-half-point favorite at Green Bay. Um, does that worry you at all? Because I think the Cowboys, I think they actually could end up covering that number. I feel confident because more about how bad Green Bay has been and not about how good the Cowboys are. The Cowboys look good, but Green Bay has looked really bad. Yeah, that's the part that really scares me about this game because of the quote-unquote overconfidence possibly walking into this because mm-hmm. they their their eyes are telling them how bad this team is, as we talked about yesterday. I think that had to be the absolute worst game that I have ever seen Aaron Rodgers play. <laughs> I mean, it it could not have gone any worse than what we saw with him last week. And he mm-hmm. still had an opportunity to win the game. Yeah, he did. He still had an opportunity to win the game. That's how bad he played, and it was against the Detroit Lions. But Patrick brought this up. This is a team that is going to be backed into the corner. They have been fighting against each other. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, would this be four games in a row that they lose? Or will it be five? Like, this is a streak that he's for not used to. Yeah, for Green yeah, Bay, that I mean, they're not used to, no, they're not. to being on. Yeah. So when I look at this game, I still, I still have that worry 
of Brett Favre, not Brett Favre, I just Aaron saw Rogers. him on TV. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Well, no, it's how long it's team. been, though, because it's yeah. been one to the other, and it's always been a fear to go to Green Bay and have to play Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre. Like I said, that's been the case for the last 20 plus years. This will be a six game losing streak. Wow. Six yeah, games. Yeah, five in a row. This, when is the last time a team quarterback by Aaron Rodgers has even been on a no. three game losing streak? I don't Remember know. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. Now it's like, man, help me. <laughs> help me. Man, ever since that ayahuasca trip. Right. Everything's kind of going off the rails for him. And that's him being that guy. <laughs> or, or we could just go ever since he demanded a massive contract and threatened to leave and Devontae Adams left because right. it was like, dude, you just went out for yourself. As always. And Devontae Adams even said, this guy's been going back and forth for the last couple of years. I may retire. I may not retire. I may play. I may not play. I don't know what I want to do. He doesn't show up hey. to work out with all the other guys. He doesn't do any of that. Listen, so Let's not act like the grass is greener for Devontae Adams either. <laughs> uh, he, had a bit, he had a big – that's a very good point. Devontae Adams is probably thinking, damn, we probably should just stay together. We separated, <laughs> and now both of us are doing bad. Yeah. If we just yeah. stayed together, both of us were doing much better. Because Devontae Adams, trust me, he is yeah. not loving life with his old college buddy. Hey, I will tell you this. <laughs> at least he gets to hang out with buddy. his friend and commiserate – and Aaron Rodgers don't have no friends. I know it's true, but, but my yeah. point is, like, I, they both doing bad. Both, they are both. both they probably should have tried to stay together. They probably should have tried to stay together. Anyway, uh, but I digress. Um, the uh, the Packers, man, they're averaging 17 points per game. That's the lowest uh, through the first nine games since 1992. I mean, that, that we're talking about, and now they're going up against one of the best top five defenses in the NFL uh, with the Dallas Cowboys coming off a bye week, so they're going to be as healthy as they've been all season long. Yeah, uh, I like the Cowboys in this matchup. I think the Cowboys are going to be focused. They understand that this is yeah, this is usually kind of a trap game uh, for the Cowboys, especially going on the road to Green Bay. Uh, I feel different about this Cowboys team just because of the, the way they win. They're going to win with defense. Defense travels. Yeah. You know, if I was worried about the and, and you know the running game travels. That's also they're going to get Zeke back. They're going to get Zeke back. And game. I know a lot of people don't want to see Zeke, but I want to see Zeke. And I think uh, our man Pollard wants to see Zeke too because he ain't ready to carry all them all them carries. He just got his wind knocked out of him on those long runs. But I sit here and does it does it worry me? Yes, it worries me. It still makes me a little bit nervous just because I don't want the Cowboys. I know that they seem to be focused. But I don't want they're coming off of a bye, and I don't want them to be looking past a team like Green Bay because they, I mean, it's still the NFL. You're traveling on the road, oh, you're playing yeah. a team like this, no and you're playing a quarterback that what better way to right his ship than to beat the Dallas Cowboys totally with Mike good. McCarthy at the helm? You yeah. know, there, there's so many layers to this rivalry that I sit here and I look at it that way. I'm just like, man. I, I be, I'm with you. I believe the Cowboys will win and cover the number. I have there's no doubt in my mind, but there's still some hesitation and some reservations about certain things. Because you know what, bro? I'm not used to having nice things, man. I agree. I mean, That's good. I'm not used yeah. to having nice things. I totally man. understand it. I totally get that. But I mean, the Cowboys, uh, they were leading the NFL in sacks. I don't know. They just had a bye week. So yeah. going into their bye week, they were leading the NFL in sacks. They still may be. Uh, they're going to get after in Rodgers. Uh, the one, I guess the one issue for the Cowboys defense is their rush defense. It hasn't been great. And the Packers, 
you know, Aaron Jones could be a problem for them. They yep. haven't been able to run the ball really consistently all year, and they haven't been able to, been able to get into a rhythm in the run game. Uh, Jonathan Hankins, he's, he probably should end up playing more snaps for the Cowboys in this game versus Green Bay. I went back and looked at that Bears game where he played for the first time after they acquired him via trade. When he was on the field, he was a difference maker, an impact player in the run game. Probably the most impact impactful player in the run game when he played. 11 rushes uh, that the Bears had when he was on the field, and they only averaged 3.5 yards per rush in the traditional running game. Now, Justin Fields running all over people via scramble and design runs uh, for the quarterback, that's different. But in traditional handoffs, I should say, yeah. to Khalil Herbert and to David Montgomery, they only average 3.5 yards per rush. Without him on the field, they average 5.7 yards per rush. Mm. So he's a difference maker. Yeah. He, he'll play more. Um, he'll play more snaps. I think he played thirty-one snaps. Maybe trying to get him up to. Oh, he's up to speed now. Yeah, yeah. Get him up to forty yeah. snaps or so. 40 he's up to speed now. And just make sure that they're all on, you know, rundowns, early downs. He's going to be a hell of a difference maker for the Cowboys, and this will be the game where you might need him because I don't know if there's any other way the Packers really move the ball consistently other than trying to run the football. I know usually it would be, oh no, you got to worry about Aaron Rodgers' arm. I still worry about Aaron Rodgers' arm, but his targets and the people he's throwing to his weapons right. are not as dangerous as they've been in recent years. Yeah, it's not that it, it's not where you're sitting there and looking on the outside and saying, "Uh oh, we got to make sure that we take this away from him. Mm-hmm. We got to take that away from him." The only thing you need to really take away from him is is Aaron Jones. He's it. He's the one that he, he keeps Pretty getting the ball right to. Yeah, their tight end uh, Tunyon. He's good. But he hadn't been looking for him lately. He hadn't been trying to get him the ball. He was his go-to at one point last year and even at the beginning of the year. But even last week, he wasn't even looking for him on half of his throws. Yeah. Now you're right about that. Is an Alan Lazard, I guess he's still oh, one yeah. of his favorite mm-hmm. targets. Uh, but, he, yeah, none of those guys have really stepped up in the way the Packers assumed they would. I think they assumed that one of those guys would step up as – you know, Aaron Rodgers' favorite target, and none of those players have really stepped up into that road just yet. That's a good thing for the Cowboys. I think mm-hmm. the Cowboys really can, you know, they can handle the the weapons and the outside receivers for the Green Bay Packers in one-on-one situations, which means they can stack the box if they need to to stop the run, which is the only big, I think, uh, liability or weakness, if you will, Achilles heel of that Cowboys defense. Mm-hmm. One other thing to throw out there real quick while we're talking about the Cowboys, though, and you know we know Zeke's going to come back, so Tony Pollard won't get the workload that he had last week. Um, and he doesn't need to. We heard from Skip Pete yesterday play the sound, him talking to Calvin Watkins, and him saying he doesn't want Tony Pollard to get more carries and more touches than he got right. in that game versus uh, in that last game versus the Bears. And he doesn't need to. He described them as a he's a race car and that Zeke is an old uh, old school sedan. Right. And right. that race right. cars, hey man, they go, they're meant to go fast for a short amount of time and then they're done. Um, he even remarked that in that game versus the Bears that after Tony Pollard's last big run, he came to him and said, Coach, I'm done. Right. Like, Coach, I'm done. I ain't got nothing left in the tank for me, Coach. I'm done. Uh, so, you know, maybe the Cowboys are on to something. My, my take would be I do think they should 
they should use Tony Pollard the same way they've been using him. Don't up the usage. Don't up the snaps. Him and Zeke need to shoulder the burden of the running game together. It's going to keep both of those guys fresh and keep them durable. But I would rather you have specifically schemed up running plays for Tony Pollard because mm-hmm. there's a higher likelihood he's going to break one. Right. Um, so yeah, because he's definitely that guy. He's definitely that guy. You know what I mean? Or your perimeter runs. Your perimeter runs or the runs where you're thinking, no, no, no. We have schemed oh, We have schemed up this specific opponent and this specific run, inside zone, counter, whatever it is, yep. oh, it breaks. Uh, it breaks a disproportionate amount of times that on the film that we've watched. So we're going to scheme open this specific play. Give that play to Tony Pollard. Every you know time I mean? and twice that on Sunday, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, because that, that's you know it's the likelihood you're going to break them. Boom. So if you know that you're a play caller, hey, we're going to break this run. Have Tony Pollard there, but I, you know, I'm not on the bandwagon of no, no. Tony Pollard needs to have more touches. No, same amount of touches is fine. Let's just be more judicious in what touches each back is having. So check this in what out. situation runs of over 20 yards or more. Tony Pollard has 13. Runs of 20 yards or more, Zeke has one. There you go. Exactly. Yep. Self-explanatory. Yeah. You know what there, I mean? Like, there it is. And I, I want to say right now, Tony Pollard, at least prior to last week, I got to go check the stats recently, but prior to last week, prior to their off week, their bye week, he was leading the NFL in yards after contact per carry. He was mm-hmm. averaging um, f- almost five yards after contact per carry. 5.6, I believe it is. Freaky. Man. Yeah. Yeah. This is some freaky stuff. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's just a more explosive back. It's yeah. And I think I'll give Kellen more credit in that I think because of the injury to Cooper or the injury to Dak and having Cooper rush in, he kind of got away from his tendencies he's had in the past to be cute. And, well, if they think Pollard's going to make the big play, so I'll run him up the A gap. And they don't think Zeke's going to get it, so I'm going to run him on a tricky dick yeah, screen yeah, to the yeah. outside. And we'll, yeah. we'll show. And you're like, but no, but no. that's not the right. Just do the thing that works. <laughs> yeah. Just do the thing that works, no, man. I agree. Yeah. And I think he's done that too much in the past, especially th- you know trying to scheme open third wide receivers and stuff like that, where you're like, yeah, Gallup was open. We don't have that. to scheme that. Yep. So, nope, and so that. I think because of everything that happened, he went, oh, I don't have to do that. Oh, this is working. Let's just keep doing this. And I'll give him credit. He's done that a lot better this year as opposed to before where he was he was scheming guys open, but it was like that's not you it's not hard to scheme that guy open. Yeah, because they it? know that's the worst thing. Explosivity. Yeah. So he's got Pollard Cowboys have a forty five yard catch, a forty six yard run, a fifty seven yard run, all by Pollard. Also, yeah. there's explosive yeah, he's the most explosive and that's the thing. Player. He's been scheming Pollard in the right places. Yeah. And you go, if you can keep doing that, then that's perfect. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Patrick. I saw my man Jeff Howie says, you know, football is a simple game complicated by simple men. It's like, don't overcomplicate it. <laughs> like, it's, it's, you know, you're making it tougher than it needs to be. Right. And I, I totally agree with that. Okay, one other thing I had a texter here says, Damone Clark looked good too. Yeah, he did. How about this about Damone Clark? So they must like Damone Clark way more than they like Jabril Cox. Because I've noticed that Damone Clark, um, you know, he is starting to play more like real snaps in the game. Mm-hmm. He played 40 snaps on defense. He just got active. Right. Right? Like, a, what, three weeks ago or something? Already played 40 snaps on defense in the last game, and he was inactive for seven games. Jabril Cox, he only plays on special teams. Right. Right. So it's pretty obvious it's, that they they found a diamond that they was waiting like, on and Jabril Cox probably he got comfortable not being Man. not being able to work. And Man. now you got somebody that's hungry 
that wants to be on the field, and now he's getting his opportunity. That dude worked hard to get to where he was, and you and I talked about it. I, I liked it from the very jump. I said, once this dude is healthy, he is going to be a problem. Yeah, and that's exactly what he's presenting to them. He's running, and he's getting clocked at faster speeds on the field than Michael yeah. Parsons. No doubt. That no, is now that is probably the freakish. Remember, Michael Parsons thing. was like, "Man, I gotta get my speed up twenty five. I gotta get it twenty five. That's twenty point five. He yeah, said I need yeah, to go 25. for twenty one. Because he said he said the yeah. clock went for twenty one. <laughs> yeah, it's like what? He said I gotta go. You I gotta got get twenty one. Two linebacks out there running yeah. twenty and twenty one miles per hour. Uh, Cowboys in a good place with those linebackers right now. Uh, so Cowboys, there's a little preview of Cowboys Packers. Uh, but let's talk about real quick the Colts naming a play caller. Uh, for those who haven't heard, uh, it broke earlier today that Jeff Saturday, <laughs> the interim head coach for, the, I know it is. It's it's it, it seems like some kind of uh, SNL skit, but it ain't. It's real. Uh, the name Parks Frazier as the new offensive play caller. Now Parks Frazier's been with the Colts organization for a few years now. He was hired on the staff by 20, in 2018 by Frank Reich. Uh, he went from assistant to the head coach. Uh, yeah, assistant to the head coach, right. not assistant head coach. <laughs> right. It's like assistant regional manager means, yeah. or assistant <laughs> to the regional manager. There's a difference. Dwight Schrute taught us all that. So he was not the assistant head coach. No, assistant to the head coach. All right. Those two words. Uh, that's those a two big words difference. Mean a lot big <laughs> difference. You think Jim Mersey's seen the office? Yeah. Exactly. yeah. I don't think Jim Mersey's seen the office. Yeah, exactly. He might not have seen it, but I think that's what Jack Easterby tried to pull it at. It's like, just two <laughs> words. Oh, sorry, I missed those two words. No, those are two big words, Easterby. All right. Assistant to the or assistant. What? Yeah, because he, he said he was assistant GM. <laughs> Turns out Jack Easterby was the assistant to the GM. Yeah. Uh, it was like, he was getting coffee for the GM. Yeah, exactly. It's like, that's a big difference, Easterby. To me, you the assistant GM. Oh, that's just a two GM. Sorry, hey man, he just gave the silent count yeah, when he was, was telling typo. everybody what he yeah, was doing. It was that's a typo. Right. My bad. I made my own cards. <laughs> I made my own business cards. Exactly. <laughs> man, this uh, is why you got to call people. For, you you got to call your call the references. Call references. Yeah, the references matter, man, for real. Yeah. So he was the assistant to the head coach. Um, they held that for two seasons. Then he uh, that that's basically like helping with practice plans and call sheets and scripts. Yeah, and he was elevated to offensive quality control coach in twenty twenty. And then he moved to assistant quarterbacks coach in 2021, and he he uh, was he added as pass game court. Uh, sorry, pass game specialist. Excuse me, pass, man. These titles. Yeah, that's what pass I'm saying. There's too much on there. Specialist. So he moved from assistant quarterbacks coach to pass game specialist in 2022. Wow. So at least he knows Sam. Yeah. I mean, he knows they Sam. They spent some time together. Yeah, they spent time together. But does he know his offensive line? Because that is the reason why Sam got sacked nine times. They were absolutely garbage. Yeah, but that's Jeff Saturday, man. Yeah. Oh, lineman. Uh, yeah. you, you got Jeff Saturday in there. There you go. Okay. There you go, man. I like Jeff that. Jeff Saturday, who has been in the booth for the last six years. No, no, two years. He was a high school coach before that. There we go. Okay. He was a All high right. school coach for a few years. All there. right. Yeah, see? There you go. Ha. 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 Him and Josh McCown. Remember Josh McCown? The Texans were trying to hire him, and y'all mocked the Texans oh my for that. Goodness. Turns out the Colts similarly thinking about Jeff Saturday. But Jeff Saturday's a better player than Yeah, Josh, Josh McCown, McCown is. is not in the Texans' ring of fame either. <laughs> yeah, you're, At least there's some tie to – you're like, no. okay, you know what? People are going to come out and support this guy. Yeah. But Josh McCown were like, no, we're not buying tickets. Yeah, and I've seen Jeff Saturday. Yeah. They say he's been an advisor, uh, yeah, like a non-official role, unofficial role. Yeah, they, I believe they had said that when he retired, they gave him an office in the building. Okay, so yeah, he's been around. So hopefully he's not has, having to introduce himself to the team for the first time. Hopefully he knows some of these guys and – 
it's not going to be awkward around there. I'm sure it's going to be awkward, but it's uh, like, hey. <laughs> hey guys! Hey, that's the new coach. Yeah. The coach. I better start kissing. As some long butt. as he doesn't bring in those Jeffrey Dahmer glasses that Frank Reich was wearing. <laughs> there it is. There <laughs> it did. is. Those were that really been the reason why I got yeah. fired. No. <laughs> because how can you sit across the room from this guy and he'd be like, "Let me turn off some of these lights." And you're like, "No, Jeffrey, all the yeah. lights on." No, and the reason he, no, was, yeah. Jeffrey. I don't know why Frank Reich wore those glasses. I also don't know why he never picked a quarterback. And it's not all his fault, but once the Andrew Luck thing happened, they just spiraled. You know the yeah. two things that set. Frank Reich back and he never recovered. Um, it was uh, Andrew Luck retiring out of his control and Nick Sirianni leaving. Come on. Oh, Nick yeah, that's Sirianni huge. leaving. Yeah. Hey, I mean, we really can see what Sirianni's him. doing right now. It's pretty obvious, right? Like yeah. that guy was providing you with some quality, uh, uh, whatever, coordination, play calling, whatever you want to call yeah. it. No, I no. mean, you can see it with the 49ers with Mike McDaniel. That Very you, true. That you can no see, you're like, oh no, this was a big voice in the room. Yep. No doubt. You're right about this. Someone said, Costanza, I love it. Assistant to the traveling secretary. <laughs> 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 hey, man, don't hey, Costanza ended up getting some power within that organization, man. I remember he was giving uh, batting tips to, like, yeah, uh, he was like, Danny Tartable. Yeah. He was giving him to Danny Tartable. Come in here. I need hey. you to get in here and so I can teach you how to hit. Hey, remember the Mets? They tried to poach Costanza they did, but, from the Yankees. But then he ended up getting traded for a Tyson yeah. promo. Got <laughs> <laughs> traded to Tyson Chicken. He got traded for some chicken. You write it on that. Love oh, it. man, I love you some Seinfeld. Great stuff there, Texture. Love that. Okay, uh, Raj, round the day. Coming up next, uh, we'll get to uh, TCU uh, game planning. I'll get into my, uh, really, I, a couple of things I've already noticed in film studies. Starting to do some rabbit holing about TCU and the Purple Kryptonite. We'll talk about that. And also, there's a, a glaring stat that I want to start with that may end up being the downfall of Texas in this matchup if they don't get it fixed. We'll discuss that mm-hmm. on the other side. Right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. I want to get to the Texas TCU preview um, a little bit. Uh, Two things concern me, um, and we'll get to the first half, second half scoring issues for Texas um, and TCU probably being the best second half scoring team or one of the best, better second half scoring teams uh, in the country, certainly in the Big 12. That is concerning, but. One thing people don't know about TCU's offense is how explosive it is. It is extremely explosive. They lead the nation in the highest percentage of touchdowns over 20-plus yards. 48% mm-hmm. of their touchdowns um, are 20-plus yard plays. So you're talking about just chunk yardage plays. They're third in the FBS in 20-plus yard plays from scrimmage. Um, and they split it pretty evenly. 23 rushes, 41 passes. So it puts them... Um, tied into the top 10 close in both of those numbers in terms of explosive plays via the ground, explosive plays via the pass. Um, Texas has allowed uh, 39 20-plus yard plays. How about this? Only six on the ground all year long. 
six. And how many how many twenty plus yard plays can you think of on the ground that teams have gotten? Not many. Not Bama had many. one. I think UL had and that one. That was a scrim- no. That big touchdown was the one, right? Yeah, for Bama. Yeah, and ULM had one actually toward the end of the game. Yeah. you know there have been some. Man, I'm saying they haven't had any, but they're they're few and far between. Like it just hasn't they're been. They're not consistent. consistent yeah. yeah, Texas. I mean, they're one of the better rushing defenses. Hell, in in the Big Twelve. Hell, maybe in even in the country. We look at all the stats. Uh, but it's the passing uh, defense in terms of defending explosive plays. Texas has allowed 33 20 plus yard passes. That's around you know, 80 something uh, in the country. Uh, and the reason uh, for it is that, you know, Texas has really struggled in, you know, really zone that what they're called pattern match zone coverage, which they call it matchup zone when a zone becomes man coverage. Once a player declares in your zone, we saw an example of it in the K state game. Remember the touchdown to Warner 25 yard touchdown. They went stat twins who tells you they should always go bunch formation against Texas. Mm-hmm. They went stat twins on both sides and the, 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 the receiver at the top of the stack bunch formation. He runs a seven route. The, the receiver behind him, Warner won, runs a hitch route or a curl route and then ends up running a post or an angle or even and maybe you want to call it a slam but it's more of an angle route toward the void in the zone mm-hmm. the, the the cornerback already thought that his man was going to be the seven route that was declaring in his zone the safety also thought oh i'm uh, number two is going to be my guy the guy declaring for the seven route they both took the same player and they left the number one receiver basically had what he become the number one receiver um basically left him open because he ran a double move and they lost him within the framework of the route combination because of the double move and that's why he ends up so wide open in the void mm-hmm. of defense that's just really tough for any uh db to try to pass off in his zone coverage but it was specific to a pattern match zone so they're trying to beat pattern match zones. The way you beat it is you have a basically a rub route or a pick route or a switch route, as they call them, late downfield. So run down, have basically the route, you run downfield five to seven yards and then switch. All right, then route, rub routes or then pick routes, then you cross, and that completely discombobulates DBs. Because once you start vertical downfield, you've already declared as my man a lot of the times. And if you don't declare as my man, my eyes usually go to number two in right. zone coverage looking for the deeper route because I'm sinking looking for the deeper route. And that's how teams are playing uh, on Texas is, uh, I'll say it's a failure in pattern match zone, but it's more of a loophole in pattern match zone. Right. And they're finding that loophole with the delayed switch downfield. TCU will do it. I was just about I to say. I assure you. that I've seen them do it. Yeah. They're going to do it again. It's a staple for K-State, but TCU will do it because Lincoln Riley likes to do it. And if Lincoln Riley likes to do it, his little brother likes to do it. Uh-huh. And Garrett Riley, I guarantee, has Lincoln Riley's notes oh. <laughs> on Texas. They are all dialed up. And Max Duggan uh, does too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so one thing I noticed. So I, yeah, Max. So I went, I went back and looked at Every uh, 20 plus yard pass play that Texas has given up this year. I went back and looked at every last one of them this morning. All right. And I started to look for trends. I'm looking for, you know, what are the trends? What are the commonalities uh, between those plays? I did find something that I found really interesting. So, six, nearly 70%, uh, we're talking about 67%, nearly 70% of all the 20 plus yard pass plays allowed by Texas, they had to defend a trips formation or a quads formation, or what I call pseudo-trips. 
So basically, Texas had to defend, defend three by ones or a three by two and empty. Remember that that deep sixty-two yard play for K State where they ran the six route inside for Malik Knowles. That was a three by two formation, empty formation. So what teams are doing with these three by one sets are pseudo trips, which you have you have twins to one side, two receivers, but you have the back offset to the twin side. They call that pseudo trips because if you have a, a back like Deuce Vaughn, well, hell, man, that might as well be trips. Right. I got I to declare that like I got to treat that like trips because that guy is a really capable receiver. So we call that pseudo trips. So Texas has had to defend that. On all the 20-plus yard pass plays they've allowed, they've had to defend some version of trips, all right, three-by-one sets or pseudo trips 67% of the time. Now, what does that do? Well, Texas plays a lot of cover four. And cover four, if I go three-by-one, three receivers to one side, one receiver, single receiver to the other side, those safeties, those two deep safeties, those are the ones who I'm putting in conflict here. That, those two deep safeties and the linebacker to the trip side, those are the three players that are put in conflict and have a most strain when you go three-by-one. Uh, because those two safeties, most of the time, they're going to shade the trip side, right? That's the passing strength. So when they shade the trip side, they leave that single receiver side basically in one-on-one. Mm. And we've seen Iowa State take advantage of that with Xavier Hutchinson. You want to leave Quentin Johnson one-on-one? Don't do that. All right, so if you want to make sure that you help out that single receiver side or that cornerback to the single receiver side, you keep that safety all right, you keep him on. You keep him balanced, basically, or you keep him honest, and he doesn't shade over to the trip side like the other safety. But if he does that, and say the safety to the trip side does shade to trip side, and you stay honest as the backside safety to the senior receiver side, the middle of the field is wide effing open. Yeah. And you can just run route concepts to hit the middle of the field because it's wide open. All you got is your linebackers to cover that, and good luck. Have they done a good <laughs> job with that? No, they have not. All right? So that's why the three-by-one makes sense against cover four. And let's say you decide, you keep your safeties honest. Say they, they don't shade, they don't do anything, and they just stay honest. If they do that, well, you've got a numbers advantage to the trip side, and the middle of the field is still technically wide open because they're too deep safe. They literally call it middle of the field open, open the middle of the field is open when you got two deep safeties. <clears throat> so it works against cover four because it strains the coverage really uh, a lot, right? It's a threat. It, it, it does. It just strains yeah. the coverage. It puts yep. a lot of strength. And that, that linebacker, who covers that number three receiver? You got to decide that. Exactly. You got to decide, is your backside defender going to cover that? You're going to let your linebacker to cover that number three receiver? Who, are you going to go man-to-man? If you go man-to-man, all right, watch Beat. out for the— Yep. Watch out for the rub routes. Yep. Watch out for the rub routes and the pick routes and the bunch formations. So if you go cover one there, you can go rub routes and pick routes to the trip side. That's easy. And if it's cover one to the single receiver side and you got a middle field safety, that's, that guy's basically one-on-one. You've already created the one-on-one formationally. And if you go cover three, well, also, you've created a formational one-on-one to the single receiver side, and you don't have enough deep, deep, deep defenders to cover the three receivers I have to the strong side of the formation, to the play side. So it really works against cover one, cover four, cover three. That's what Texas plays. And that's why right. teams are going three-by-one sets because they strain that safety. And you're going to either give up that single receiver side one-on-one or you're going to get outnumbered to the trip side, period. Yeah. That's just the way it goes. 
or unless you go light box, which you also can do too, and you can devote all of your resources to the pass game. So that's why teams are going three-by-one sets against Texas, trips or pseudo-trips when they want to get explosive plays downfield. Um, and it works, and you'll see that with TCU. TCU does that anyway, but you'll see more of that with TCU too. And it just it just strains the coverage, and it strains the defense, puts so much stress on the defense. That's why teams love the three-by-one set, and it forces them to declare. That safety's got to move. He doesn't shade. Yeah. It's going to be. He's then, already then, beat if then, he's not getting there. Then that wide receiver screen, wide open. Yep. You better yep. shade over there because that wide receiver screen, that's going to be wide open. It's going to be five to six, seven yards, a pop every time. Correct. So you got to shade, and then you got to come. You got to come down a little bit, right? You got you can't be high in that safety drop. You got to come down to that trips so that you can actually cover some of the short routes. And then once you do that, you leave the middle of the field open. That backside safety will probably adjust because he doesn't like the middle of the field being that wide open. And when he does, single receiver size wide open. That's why you're getting Man. a lot of three by one sets, and you're going to get a ton versus TCU. So I'm doing research on TCU and. The one thing they do really, really well, like elite at, and, and Tennessee does this really well too, and it's actually kind of an air raid uh, concept. They do a really good job of taking defenders out of the box. They take defenders out of the box. They force you to play with a light box, mm-hmm. which is fewer defenders than there are blockers. Now, on average, Big 12 teams have 6.1 players in the box on every play. That's on average. 21% of the time, uh, they have five or fewer players in the box on in, in the Big 12, all right? And that's the lowest of any FBS conference because the Big 12 plays with a lot of light boxes. Why? They, I think a lot of teams play with that three-high safety look. K-State does. Oklahoma State does at times. Iowa State does. Uh, Oklahoma does. And that leads to them trying to distort your pre-snap look, and they're trying to lure you into the false sense of security of handing off the ball, all right, because you think you have the numbers advantage, and you really don't, all right? So they're slinging those run fits. So it's – that's that's why the Big 12 has lighter boxes than everybody else. TCU takes a, a defensive trend in the Big 12 with light boxes, and they take it to the extreme. So they play with, or they force defenses into playing them with five or fewer defenders in the box nearly 30% of the time. So nearly a third of the handoffs, basically not handoffs, third of the offensive snaps that TCU has, they force offenses to go with light boxes, fewer defenders than there are blockers nearly a third of the time. And that's well above the Big 12 average, and that's well above, obviously, the national average, too, because the Big 12 beats everybody else when it comes to playing with light boxes on defense. How does TCU take advantage of this? Because they got the best running game now that Sonny... Uh, that Sonny Dykes has ever had as a head coach, especially with Max Dugan and with Kendra Miller. He's very underrated. You're right. I mean, he ranks fifth in broken missed tackles force per carry. He's 10th in yards after uh, contact per carry. Uh, And if you look at all the FBS running backs with at least 100-plus rushes, those are his rankings in those categories. So he is more than capable. He'll have a backup. Uh, Dermacado is averaging oh six point yeah. six yards per carry and three point four yards after contact per carry, and we know Max Duggan is more than capable seven point six yards per carry on design runs, and he can scramble too. But getting back to what makes TCU special, remember I talked about this that veer and shoot that Art Browse is the one that Tennessee is running now. It does the same thing. It takes defenders out of the box with the formation and with the alignment. All right, taking defenders out of the box now. The personnel they use, because they, they're very diverse personnel, 12, uh, 20 personnel, 21 personnel, two backs, one tight ends, two backs, zero tight ends, 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends. They use the personnel packages to displace good run defenders with bad run defenders. 
and give themselves favorable matchups in the running game, meaning they'll use a double wing set, meaning two tight ends, but there'll be a nub and offset right at the line of scrimmage, opposite of a twins on the other side, and that's going to bring your DBs close to the line of scrimmage, putting them in the box. But your DBs are matched up against tight ends in the running game. That's mm-hmm. a win for them. And they do that a lot. They do that with uh, two back sets. They do it with 20, 21 personnel. And what I've noticed is these you know, these different concepts, the ability to take defenders out of the box with the formation and to displace the good run defenders uh, with bad ones with their personnel. How about these numbers, Harge? Uh, when they stack wide receivers in bunches, what I've been, been telling you against Texas oh, ever since goodness. UTSA time, game, yeah. you got to use bunch formations against Why? Texas. So you, Ryan Clark can't throw you? I mean, Ryan Clark. Yeah. Because Ryan Watts can't throw you off your route. Exactly. Yep. He's trying to throw you off your route. Yep. You know, instead of him rerouting you, you can have him read and react. So when they use stack wide receivers in bunches, by the way, Texas giving up a lot of chunk yardage. Remember they gave up one Oklahoma State mm-hmm. in uh, chunky. They were in stack bunches. Uh, they gave up. I just told you the touchdown against K State, twenty five yarder. That was off stack bunches. Yep. When TCU is in stack bunches on both sides, so they got wide receivers in bunches. So two stacks of twins on both sides, but in stack bunches, they're averaging fourteen point seven yards per carry and point six EPA mm-hmm. per carry. When they go split backs out of 20 personnel, they're averaging 9.5 yards per rush. When they go double wing set in 12 personnel, all right, opposite side of the Twins, 8.6 yards per play out of this set because they put DBs in the same box being blocked by tight ends. So they're really good, like I said, at formationally and alignment-wise taking defenders out of the box and then displacing those defenders uh, with bad run defenders with personnel packages. This is the key for Texas. Now, here's why Texas actually does have a chance to beat K-State, I'm sorry, TCU, despite all these crazy numbers I just gave you. And I told you guys this versus Oklahoma State. I said, what did I tell you Texas should have did versus Oklahoma State? Go light boxes. Yep. They should have went light boxes because Oklahoma State couldn't run the damn ball anyway, and they stopped trying to run the ball. They just threw uh, running back swings and wide receiver slant routes and wide receiver screens the whole damn game because they couldn't run the rock. And Texas should have said, you know what, let's go light boxes and devote our personnel to helping the pass defense on the second level or with the in-breaking routes. They did not do that, and against TCU, they're going to be forced to do it because TCU makes you play with a light box. But with the best interior defensive line in the Big 12, one of the best in the country that goes five deep with Ojimo and Coburn and Murphy and Sweat and Collins, Texas actually has the ability to play light boxes and still stop the run. NFL teams do it all the time, but you got to have beasts up front. you got to have war daddies that can win one-on-one. I'm not saying Texas has war daddies up there front, but right now, Kendrick Coburn's playing like that. Yeah. He's playing like a guy that can win one-on-ones consistently. Winning every week. The best defensive interior player in the country. So that's all I'm saying. Not just the Big 12. Yeah. That's why (laughs) Texas has a shot in this game because they force teams to play with light boxes. Texas doesn't like to do it, but Texas can do it and be really, really effective stopping the run. Versus with a light box because they got the they got Jalen Ford, best run defending linebacker to do it, and the best interior D line in the Big Twelve to do it. All right, we come back. Texas basketball beating UTEP. We'll have some details on that when we come back right here on Ball Don't Lie. I want to put on the horn. Welcome back. 
Tomorrow Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Top of the charts Tuesday. We play jams that reached the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. Remain Hard's over at Jamming. He remembers this one apparently way back in the day. Showing his age. Yeah. Old school. <laughs> hey, man, you just remember this. You remember Papa video on VH1? Oh, yeah. Uh, this was I the theme so. for pop-up video when they play like videos and they pop a little facts during it. Oh, okay. This is that- the theme because pop music wow. and we pop a video, yeah. Man, oh, yeah. You Man, you got a great memory. Who is memory this again? Uh, this is from M. Yeah. M, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thought it was him, but it was him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was him, but it was him. Uh, all right, Texas basketball, big win, gentlemen. First uh, game in the mood, 72-57 win over UTEP. Patrick, you got a chance to see this group up close and personal. What were your thoughts about Texas basketball last night? Uh, what I told Hard for the game, stadium looked really nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, goes, he goes, man, we got things. You notice I mentioned the stadium first, right? Yeah. Now, I, look. Hey, he paid enough for it. I, yeah. they, they came out. I think Tyrese Hunter is a great addition. Yes. Uh, him being able to be a playmaker down the stretch was a huge thing that Texas was missing last year. Yeah. Uh, but there's still a lot of the same issues that you hope to see, you know, get improved upon throughout the season of there was times where they just, this offense looked completely lost. Yes. And just and, and UTEP was playing. It wasn't even so much sloppy as UTEP was playing good on man defense, Very and they were having defense. a really hard time getting something around it and getting anything going towards the basket to get open shots. And they sort of figured it out later in the game. They were able to get him in foul trouble, which is what you have to do to be like, look, if this guy's constantly in front of me, just drive into him and try and go get fouls. Yep. And so they were able to do that, and it kind of opened up a little bit. Free throw shooting was still really not where it needed to be. Three-point shooting, Marcus Carr did not have a great game. Three-point shooting was dreadful yeah. once again. 29%? Yeah. Once and, again. <clears throat> but, I mean, that was also Marcus Carr was 0 for 4 and 3. So yeah. he did a lot of that. Uh, and then it was, I, I think there's just something to be said. I think the the freshmen need to get a little bit looser. It looked like, especially Dylan Mitchell, just seemed a little uptight. Where when we yeah. saw him in that t- the Arkansas scrimmage, they just looked like they were loose because the game didn't matter. So it looked like they'd be loose, and they looked so much better when they were loose and playing basketball than, okay, we got to do this. we got to do this right. And they just seemed a lot more uptight. So hopefully as the season starts to roll, they'll feel a little bit more comfortable because Mitchell is going to be a huge part of what this Texas team can do this year uh, with his athleticism and his growth. So they're going to need him to be able to be uh, a bigger contributor, and hopefully he'll be able to get there. The, the one thing that I always look at, too, in, in these types of games, and I know it's early and there's going to be some jitters and there's all kinds mm. of different things that play into it, and I want to give UTEP a bunch of credit, too, because they were playing hard defense. They did play hard. Al Golden, it, Golden is um, his friend. So they have the same mindset as far as getting uh, up in the defense where you're going to play pressure on the basketball, make it where it's all – muddled up where it's not smooth. Texas had 15 turnovers and 14 assists. Yeah, they so started you gotta early change too. That. Yeah, you got to like three get in that. the first five Yeah, it was yeah. like – it was ugly. Yeah. But you still – it's an early part of the season. You're still working through some things. Uh, shout out to the kids that showed up early and they were loud. We heard that it was so loud in there. Patrick, you got first. Oh, no, this is by far – this was as loud on the court as I pretty much heard any game at the Irwin Center. Yeah. Like, 
Texas Tech game, Kansas game, those games that were really loud. Yeah, this was pretty much as loud as that, and yeah. it was for UTEP. And you so had, what eleven thousand? Eleven thousand in the stands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but uh, so I'm excited to see what they can do next Wednesday when that stadium is going to hopefully be very, very loud. Oh, and Zags coming. Yeah, down? Zags, Zags will be, be crazy, tough. man. Well, here's the other thing too. When I was looking at the how much time each player got, the starting lineup played pr- pretty much. The whole game. I mean, yeah. like the majority of the minutes went to the starters. But I was glad to see Sabari uh, Rice, so, yeah, so him to come out and be able to play and be as as vital to what the success was going to be. You were talking about Hunter and him being the playmaker, you know, setting everybody up. Rice is that kind of guy too. No, he can get Jabari there. Rice is a really he he was a good addition. And you, uh, Craig, interviewed him after the game. And he was like, man, this is a different environment than I've ever played in. Yeah. He was like, this feels like an NBA game or something because of just how loud it was. I liked and the energy, nice state, man. the nice the new building and everything. Yeah. He's like, he's like, man, I'm used to playing in New Mexico State. It ain't like this. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I think that was a very cool thing. But yeah, he is I mean, when you lose Ramey and you lose Andrew Jones and the guard position, and yep. I, I ask you left, which he didn't play a ton, but ask you left as well. You need to replace some of those guys, and Tyrese Hunter and uh, Serge Barry Rice are going to be very good in replacing those guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean your trio on your backcourt with him and Car- with the, those guys in car. Yeah, and Dylan Dessou looked good. Yeah. Dylan Dessou, he he came out, got a couple travels, couple dumb fouls, mm-hmm. uh, and then it, he just kind of stepped up at a point when they weren't being able to score. He just went back to simplistics and was getting little short jump shots and stuff like that. Yeah, all of his points in the, the second half. Too, yeah, right? yeah, that's the thing. When he he started off and they yeah he got two travels called on him that were both questionable mm. like they're those ones they were like dude if you're looking for him to travel you can get pretty much everyone at you some point everybody. and they were clearly looking for him too so he cleaned that up and then had a really good second half yeah no they mean they i think you know 16 fast break points i know they want to get out and transition more yeah <clears throat> so they probably want to be <clears throat> a little more prolific there uh but they, they were out rebounded i know chris beard talked about that too yeah yeah that he wants to be able to win the rebounding edge especially on the offensive glass i think that was like a 12 to 5 advantage for utep but first win for texas basketball uh so uh good things obviously in store for them for the rest of the season good things in store for us too six o'clock hour last hour of the show we talking texas tcu big news on the recruiting front for yeah, texas yeah. uh good news on the recruiting front for texas we'll talk about that on the other side as well right here on ball don't lie on 104.9 the horn